Hi, I'm Peter J. Ray. Welcome. Today's topic is the 1869 Cleveland Forest City NAA baseball season. The first year of professional baseball in Cleveland. I've now done uh, videos on 45 years of Cleveland Indians history from 1973 to 2017. And now we're going back to the beginning uh, of the story for the Cleveland Indians and professional baseball in Cleveland. 1869. Abner Doubleday was a Union general in the Civil War. And uh, he, there's a myth that he invented, that Abner Doubleday invented baseball in Cooperstown, New York in 1839. Now this, we believe this is a myth, but uh, it's a myth that people have wanted to believe in. And it's why the Baseball Hall of Fame is located in Cooperstown, New York. Uh, so the question is, what's the, how did baseball or originate? Well, it's kind of uh, mysterious. It's kind of hard to know. But we do know that uh, baseball was being played in 1823 on the outskirts of New York City. So from as far as I can tell, the, ba the game of baseball developed in New York State and near New York City. In uh, the New York Knickerbockers, were formed in 1845, a baseball social club. Okay, and then in 1857, the national there was a National Association of Baseball Players, a, which was a 16 New York area clubs. So these were private clubs. Well, there was they were gentlemen's clubs, and uh, playing baseball in New York City, uh, guys who had time on their hands, uh, gentlemen who came together to play baseball. Now. Uh, Actually, during the Civil War, this was really the time when baseball became America's pastime. Because during the war, guys uh, from different states met each other, and they, uh, would, they were uh, traveling all over the place, and they had time on their hands in camps, military camps, between battles and when they weren't traveling or marching. And so uh, they started playing baseball. Baseball spread. Guys learned the game. And so the Civil War, really, you could say, was when baseball became America's national pastime. After the war, the guys brought uh, baseball home to all the different states and continued playing it. And it became popular all over the country. Now, there is a record that in 1845, ball playing was banned in public square in Cleveland, although it's not clear if that was baseball or not. So it could have just been, uh, you know, playing, uh, just playing, playing catch. The first, the first baseball game, pro baseball game in Cleveland was played on June second, eighteen sixty nine, and the location was the Case Commons. You know, Commons would be a, a grassy area where people could get together, and this, this was located at Putnam Avenue, now, now East Thirty Eighth Street, and Scoville and Central Avenue in Cleveland. And according to the records, 2,000 fans came to that game here in Cleveland. Uh, the ladies were wearing hoop skirts and gentlemen wearing high starch collars. They paid 25 cents to sit in a makeshift grandstand. And those uh, who wanted to could pay 50 cents to watch the game from their horse-drawn carriage, which, uh, the carriages which ring the field. Now, the, uh, the Cleveland team was the Cleveland Forest City baseball team, and the, the opposition was the Cincinnati Red Stockings, 
who were nationally famous, and they were the first pro baseball team. Uh, there's a, a really good book called If I Never Get Back by Daryl Brock. Uh, came out in 1990, and it's a, it's a historical time travel uh, book back to the 1869 Cincinnati Reds. And see, the thing is, is baseball had been this gentleman's game. You know, it, it takes a, you have to have time to play a sport, and uh, it was a, and, and you know, work, the working man uh, was working long hours in uh, farms, and then. Of course, also factories were developing, and coal mines, different mines. So gentlemen, you know, had the time to play, and uh, they were—that's what they did. They were playing baseball, like I said, mostly in New York City, and then it did become popular nationally. Now, some fellows in Cincinnati decided, well, let's uh, let's form a profession. Let's try to create the best baseball team in in America, and to do that, you know, we need to hire guys because actually. Uh, Gentlemen are generally not that, not as physically strong because you know they're working in offices, whereas the working man, poor men, or farmers and factory workers and miners, these guys are big and strong. So and they need they need money. So the best baseball players had become poor men. So these individuals in Cincinnati decided to put together. They said, let's put together the best baseball team in the country, and we'll hire guys. They'll come and play for money, and we'll charge the fans uh, for, to, to watch the games. And those, that team, the Cincinnati Red Stockings, went 57-0 and in 1969. They did not lose a game, really something. And so they, you know, they did what they set out to do. They created the best team, and they came to Cleveland, and Cleveland put up their, our own team, the Cleveland Forest City team. Now, the players for the, uh, the Forest Cities included uh, A.R. or Austin Smith. They called him Pikey, and uh, he was the third baseman, an amateur. Uh, now, on the uh, Forest City team, uh, four of the players did not want to be paid and did not receive no money, and, and Austin Pikey Smith was one of them. Uh, four years earlier, in 1865, he had played at an amateur baseball game at, on the Kinsman's, Kinsman Grounds on East 40th Street in Woodland in Cleveland. And in this amateur game in 1865, the four, there was a team called the Forest Cities, and they played the Oberlin team from Oberlin, Ohio, called the Oberlin Penfields. And Oberlin won that game 67-28. to 28. And... Uh, Pikey Smith, or Austin Pikey Smith, in that game, ran into another player, lost two teeth. He was the left fielder. He hurt his arm on a throw and left the game. And uh, he was, uh, now this team, again, going back to 1865, was the, uh, the Forest City Cricket Club, but just started playing baseball. Okay, so the uh, shortstop was Eben Smith. He was also an amateur and was not paid for money in 1869. Uh, Arthur Bell was the uh, called the middle fielder or the center fielder. It's not clear whether he's like a shortstop or a center fielder. He was also an, an amateur, and he hit a home run in the game. Now, the sec second baseman was uh, Leonard C. Hanna, and, uh, who uh, Hanna was, uh, just played until 1871 and then retired and became a very successful very successful in business, a, an industrial magnet. Because, so he became a very uh, wealthy businessman and also a Gatling gun battery captain. So that means he, he was involved in uh, the citizens' militia. Uh, and the, 
the object was to deal with uh, some of the violence that was happening between uh, with labor labor struggles, you know, un the union movement and so forth. Now, uh, Leonard Hanna's brother was remember Leonard Hanna was playing on this team. His brother Mark Hanna was a powerful businessman in Cleveland, became a U.S. senator, and he was the chair also chairman of the Republican National Committee, a powerful man politically in our country. He's also a friend and ally of a politician from Canton, Ohio, William McKinley, and he helped McKinley become U.S. president in 1896 and re-elected in 1900. Okay, and McKinley became the 20th, 25th U.S. president, sent the United States to the Philippines in the Spanish-American War in 1898, and because of McKinley, uh, the Philippines became a U.S. territory from uh, 1898 to 1946, and that started the uh, wonderful relationship between Americans and Filipinos. So we're a little bit, little bit off, off topic here. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the Forest City team had been formed in 1868, the year before they were amateur, and they became pro in the offseason. Again, although some of the players were not, were not being paid, but uh, more than half were. The catcher was Jim White, James Deacon White. He was a uh, he was their best player, a 300 hitter. He later became the uh, he played in Boston was the personal catcher of Al Spalding and Spalding. Of course, if you're the Spalding's sporting goods company and different Spalding sporting goods products that are available and have been available for a long time. So Deacon White was one of the principal stars of the first two decades of pro baseball's professional era. He was an outstanding catcher. Uh, during the baseball's bare-handed era, the catchers caught without a glove. In fact, there were, there were no gloves at the beginning. And, and that included the catcher. They didn't have a glove. And in the 1870s, uh, Deacon White caught more games than anyone else in pro baseball. From 1873 to 1877, he was on five championship teams for the Boston Red St Stockings and the Chicago White Stockings. He had a 23-year career. He also won a title with the 1887 Detroit Wolverines. For his career, he hit 312, he had 2,066 hits, 988 RBIs. He played for the teams he played for included the Cleveland Forest Cities, the Boston Red Stockings, the Chicago White Stockings, Cincinnati Reds, Cincinnati Stars, Buffalo Bisons, Detroit Wolverines, and Pittsburgh Pirates between 1868 and 1890. He was elected to the um, the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2013. White was from Caton, New York. He died in St. Charles Township, Illinois in 1939 at age 91. So he didn't get to enjoy being inducted into the Hall of Fame. He learned baseball from a Union soldier who returned to his hometown from the Civil War. So yeah, these guys, these Civil War soldiers, they brought the game home, and that's how it became popular. Uh, Deacon White, or Jim White, he had, some of his teammates included the famous Cap Anson, Al Spalding, and King Kelly. Also, Deacon White believed the earth was flat. Interesting guy. Okay, other players for the uh, Forest City team, Cleveland Forest City, included uh, uh, Art, Art Pratt, sometimes called Albert Pratt. Uh, Art Allison, or Arthur Allison, was at first base. Art Pratt was the pitcher. And uh, John Riley was in center field. Now, these don't have individual pictures of these guys, but they're in the group photo. Uh, Johnny Ward was in left field for the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Forest City team. Now in the game, the uh, Red Stockings won, won the game 25-6. So this was part of the, you know, when they went undefeated in 1869. 
And but uh, the Cleveland team put up a good fight. Now their their players included the, their star George Wright was the star for the Cincinnati Red Stockings. Wright was from Yonkers, New York. He died in Boston, Massachusetts in 1937 at age 90. His career average, average was 302, 330 RBIs, and he scored 665 runs. George Wright played for the Cincinnati Red Stockings, the Boston Red Stockings, the Boston Red Caps, and the Providence Grays between 1869 and 1882. George Wright was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1937. He was a shortstop, and he was the baseball's best player during his era. Yeah, so he's he was the star. He once he was on six championship teams. In 1876, he was the first National League batter. Uh, his uh, elder brother uh, was Harry Wright, also on the team. And then uh, George Wright, after his playing career, he uh, settled in Boston and he started a sporting goods company. And he did a lot to develop golf, tennis, and hockey, those three sports. You know, to play sports, you need equipment. And George Wright was, became a uh, sporting goods uh, producer and supplier. So he did a lot of good in, interesting, promoting golf, tennis, and hockey. Uh, so he was a star player. His uh, brother, Harry Wright, was also a star. Actually, Harry Wright was organized the team. He was the, really the cock spring. He organized the team, and he also played Harry Wright was from Sheffield, England. He died in Atlantic City, New Jersey in 1895 at age 60. He was a center fielder and a manager, player manager. For his career, he hit 272, had 222 hits, and 111 RBIs. Harry Wright. Wright play, Harry Wright played for the New York Knickerbockers, the Gotham of New York, Cincinnati Red Stockings, Boston Red Stockings, Boston Red Caps between 1858 to 1877. He's also a manager for the Boston Red Stockings, Boston Red Carp, the Providence Grays, the, the Philadelphia Quakers, who became the Phillies between 1871 and 1895. And he was inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1953. He started out as a cricket pro as a youth. You know, cricket is, has some similarities to, uh, to baseball. George, uh, Harry Wright. John Hatfield was another star player for the Cincinnati Red Stockings. It was said that he had the strongest throwing arm in baseball. And uh, Hartford was from uh, left fielder, played for, uh, was from New Jersey, uh, died in Long Island, City, Queens, New York in 1909 at age 61. For his career, he hit 283 home runs, 146 RBIs. Hart Hatfield played for the Gotham of New York, the Active of New York, the New York Mutuals, Cincinnati Red Stockings between 1864 and 1876. He also was the manager for the New York Mutuals. In 1868, he threw a baseball 396 feet, which was considered a world record. And in 1872, he had a 400-foot throw. Okay, so anyway, so that was that game. The uh, Cincinnati won 25-6. Now, later in the summer, they, had a, they played again, and again, the uh, Cincinnati Red Stockings defeated Cleveland 43-27. Now, other games that uh, Cleveland played in 1869, they played the Brooklyn Eckfords, lost that game 41-27. to They also played the Troy New York Haymakers and split a doubleheader. 100, 109 runs were score, overall runs were scored. Now, now, the overall record, you know, they, they weren't keeping good records in 1869. We don't know the other games they played. I'm sure there were more, and we don't know their, their team record for the season. Uh, the following year, they played. Uh, they played again and again. There's only a record of one game. In eight, 
May, May 17th, they had a game against the Atlantic Club of Brooklyn. And after five innings, the Cleveland Forest City team was leading 132-1. to They scored 52 runs in the first inning and the third inning, 54. And there's no, no record of play after the sixth inning. It was assumed that the scorekeeper swooned from exhaustion. So the so again the, uh, the these uh, this is the information that I have from the Cleveland Forest City teams from 1869 to 1870. Now the Society for American Baseball Research SABR they do a lot of good work and trying to piece together uh, more information, tell the story better from the from 19th century baseball because actually in 1901. When uh, MLB, as we know it, started with the American League beginning and joining the National League, there was an effort to disparage 19th century baseball. So that's too bad. So hopefully we can rectify that. So uh, God bless all the fellows who played for the Cleveland Forest City team in 1869. And God bless uh, the fans as well. Now, that would be my great-great-grandparents' generation. So that, so that's the, they, that, they were important for those those folks who are long gone, but anyway, they, they still are alive after leaving this world. Captains of the Cuyahoga, lovers of Lake Erie, Terminal Tower Power, Tribe Browns and Cavs Rule, Cleveland City of Champions. Thank you so much for watching. God bless you. Take care, and I'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Peter J. Ray. Welcome. Today's topic is the 1871 Cleveland Forest City N.A baseball season. So the, uh, the the Cleveland Forest City baseball team, this was their third season, and they joined the new National Association of Professional Baseball Players, also known as the, just the National Association or the NA. That was a, a nine-team league that had been organized. This was the beginning of the, the first pro baseball league in 1871, and uh, there were nine teams in the league. The Cleveland Forest City finished in eighth place with a record of 10 and 19 so not not that great but still you know we had a team we had a we had a pro team uh, the uh, star catcher for the uh, Cleveland Forest City team Jim White also known as James Deacon White got married in April and was late for spring training his brother Elmer White the best man also also was late opening day for the 1871 Cleveland Forest City team was May 4th in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and uh, against the uh, the Fort Wayne Kekiangas, and Cleveland won that game 14 to 12. So that was good, we, good start to the year. And then we moved on to Chicago to play the White Stockings. However, uh, the new baseball park for the White Stockings had been destroyed by the fire of 1871, so they uh, couldn't couldn't play. So that meant the two teams the Cleveland Forest Cities and the Chicago White Stockings came came to Cleveland, and Cleveland had the Cleveland had our we had our home opener on May 11th. Cleveland Forest Cities against the Chicago White Stockings, White Stockings, and uh, for this season there were season tickets available, and fans could buy them at, at a store on uh, the store of Rawson and Pratt on Public Square. And there were two season ticket there were two season ticket plans. You could get uh, uh, you could get a season tickets for six dollars total for the whole year, so that's a pretty good deal. Of course, uh, money—the value of money was much greater back then than it is now. For ten dollars, you could get season tickets for you, your lady, and your 
carriage at, a specif at specified locations behind first base and third base. For the home opener, there were 1,000 fans. Now, the uniforms uh, have been described for the team, the Cleveland Forest City team, were a musical comedy raiment, to quote Franklin Whitey Lewis, the Cleveland sports writer, uh, white shirts with blue trimming, blue hose, and a blue belt, and russet leather shoes, and the monogram Forest Cities on the shirt. Now, one of the uh, problems in 1871, there were no professional umpires. The visiting team would submit a list of five names that the home team could select. Now, in this uh, game, uh, James L. Hain was a Chicago Times sports writer traveling to Cleveland, and he was on the list, and the Chicago captain suggested that Hain uh, be the uh, umpire for the game, and the Forest Cities naively agreed. Fortunately, Hain was uh, very biased and the, in the eighth inning, uh, uh, there was, uh, the game was tied. Uh, well, there was an eighth inning uh, disturbance. And the game was tied 6-6 after five innings. However, after a series of bad calls by the umpire that were very blatantly biased, the Forest Cities were losing in the, 18, in the eighth inning, 18-10, and they, they, they walked off the field. They we're not going to play anymore because they thought this is... This is ridiculous, this umpiring. And according to the uh, newspaper account, quote, after the Forest Cities had quit the game, everybody swarmed on the field and talked to their heart's content. So there was a, uh, there was a riot, fan riot. People were, you know, there's competition, and, you know, you have to have a, a good... There's always controversy anyway with, with umpires, even if, you know, they really are not... They're nonpartisan. Anyway, this was a huge problem in 1871, partisan umpires. Now, another interesting thing, in 1871, the first box score was uh, written in a game, uh, or after a game, played by Cleveland against Fort Wayne. And uh, if you're a baseball fan, you know, the, uh, the box score is something that you uh, look at in the newspaper, and it's, it's, it's a uh, mathematical account of one game. It has the lineup, and uh, has the uh, at-bats, hits, runs, RBIs uh, for each team. Home runs, doubles, triples, and for pitchers, it has you know the innings uh, pitched, hits, walks, uh, hits, walks, uh, runs scored, earned runs, and then of course the you know the score of each inning and so forth. Anyway, this uh, apparently the first uh, box score was written by Henry Chadwick, who was a baseball writer, and he's they call him the father of baseball. He was a sports writer and baseball statistician. He also created the. Uh, uh, the, the abbreviation K for a strikeout, and Chadwick was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1938. Very interesting. Now, the Forest Cities joined the National Association uh, for a, a $10 entry fee. Very interesting. They were playing in a new ballpark in Cleveland on Wilson and Garden Streets, a few blocks away from the first field. Now, in the, uh, in the league, the uh, first-place team was the Philadelphia Athletics. They finished the year 21-7, and so they were the... The champions, the baseball champions of 1871. Second place, Chicago White Stockings at 19 and 9. Third place, Boston Red Stockings at 20 and 10. Fourth place, the Washington Olympics, 15 and 15. Fifth place, the New York Mutuals, whose record was 16 and 17. Sixth place, the Troy New York Haymakers, who were 13 and 15. 
The seventh place team was the Fort Wayne, Indiana Kekiangas, who finished 7 and 12. Eighth place, the Cleveland Forest Cities, who were 10 and 19, a winning percentage of 345, pretty tough. And in last in ninth and last place, the Rockford Forest Cities, who were 4 and 21. So there were two uh, Forest City teams, two teams with the same name. Now the uh, player manager for the Cleveland Forest City teams team was Charlie Pabor. Pabor uh, played left field and was the uh, manager, and he was uh, also did a little pitching. His average was 296, zero home runs, 18 RBIs. As a as a relief pitcher, he went 0 and 2 with a 6.75 ERA in seven games. Pabor is from Brooklyn, New York. He died in New Salem, New Haven, Connecticut, in 1913 at age 66. His career average was 285, zero home runs, 80 RBIs. He, teams he played for included the Union of Mar- Morrisania, the Cleveland Forest Cities, Brooklyn Atlantics, Philadelphia White Stockings, and the New Haven Elm Cities from 1865 to 1875. He also was a manager for the Cleveland Forest Cities, the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Atlantics, the New Haven Elm Cities. And they, they called him, his nickname was the Old Woman in the Red Cap. Uh... After he retired, he had a long career in the New Haven, Connecticut Police Department. And as manager, he helped launch the career of King Kelly, one of the star players in the late 1800s, Charlie Pabor. Al Pratt was the pitcher, was the primary pitcher, and he won all 10 games for the Cleveland Forest Cities in 1871. Pratt was from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He died in, died in Pittsburgh in 1937 at age 90. He pitched, and he also played the outfield. His career record as a pitcher was 12-26 and 26 with a 4.41 ERA, 41 strikeouts. The teams he played for include the Riverside of Portsmouth Cleveland Forest, and Cleveland Forest Cities in his brief career between 1868 and 1872. He also managed the Pittsburgh Alleghenies. They called him Uncle Al, and he was a Civil War veteran, one of these guys who, uh, yeah, played during the... Civil War and uh, brought it home, helped make baseball the national sport. Uh, his 1871 record was 10 and 17 with a 3.77 ERA in 286 games. So, uh, and he pitched 224 innings. Pratt was five foot seven, 140 pounds. He's um, he was buried in his Grand Army of the Republic uniform. That would be the Union uh, soldiers, Grand Army of the Republic. And uh, he led the National Association um, with 34 strikeouts in 1871. And again, he won all. T- he had all 10 victories for the Cleveland Forest Cities that year. Al Pratt, uh, Deacon White, again was our catcher, the star catcher who had this tremendous uh, career and uh, is in the Hall of Fame, I believe. Now the the infielders uh, included uh, John Bass, who was the shortstop. Bass led the. Uh, the National Association with 10 triples in 1871. Bass is from Charleston, South Carolina. He died in Denver, Colorado in 1888 at age 40. Died young. Sad. His career average was 293 home runs, 19 RBIs. He, the teams he played for included the Union of Morrisania, the Cleveland Forest Cities, the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Atlantics, the Hanford Dark Blues between 1870 and 1877. He's buried in the Riverside Cemetery in Denver, Colorado. And in 1871, he hit. He had a very good year. Hit three, 303, three home runs, 18 RBIs, and he, again he led the National Association with 10 triples. John Bass, our shortstop. Jim Carlton played first base. 
Carlton's from Clinton, Connecticut, died in Detroit, Michigan in 1910 at age 61. For his career, he hit 267 with 165 hits, 44 triples. He played for the New York Mutuals and the Cleveland Forest Cities between 1869 and 1871. He also managed the Cleveland Forest Cities, I guess when Charlie Pabor was uh, unavailable. And in 1871, he hit 252, eight ho- zero home runs, and 18 RBIs. William Johnson was our second baseman. Johnson's from Parma, Ohio. Very interesting. He was a local guy. He died, died in Albuquerque, New Mexico in 1909 at age 61. His career average was 224, zero home runs, seven RBIs. And the only he just had that one year playing for Cleveland, the Cleveland Forest Cities in 1871. They called him Caleb for some reason. William Johnson. Gene Kimball uh, also played second base. He hit 191, zero home runs, nine RBIs. Kimball's from Rochester, New York. He died in Rochester at age eight, age 31 in 1882. So too bad. Must have gotten sick. He was a slap hitter. He played for the Alert of Rochester and the Cleveland Forest Cities from 1869 to 1871. So this was the end of his professional baseball career. Joe Quest was, a, was another player. He hit 231, zero home runs, two RBIs in three games. Quest was a second baseman from Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Died in San Diego, California, 1924 at age 71. His career average was 217 with one home run, 161 RBIs. He played for the Cleveland Forest Cities, the Indianapolis Blues, the Chicago White Stockings, the Detroit Wolverines, St. Louis Browns, Pittsburgh Alleghenies, and Philadelphia Athletics between 1871 and 1886. So this was the beginning of a fine career. He coined the phrase Charlie Horse for a sudden, when a player would have a sudden leg, leg cramp. His father was a machinist and Joe was a, an apprentice growing up. And uh, so the story is there was a horse race and, um, uh, at, during, uh, during this year and, and there was a tip that this Charlie, a horse named Charlie, Charlie was a sure thing. And the guy said, oh, vote, uh, put your bets on Charlie. And the horse came up lame after a strong start. And this Joe Quest said, look at your Charlie horse now. The next day, a Chicago outfielder, George Gore, pulled up uh, with a leg strain. And, you know, with baseball players, there's a lot of stopping and starting. And, and then Joe Quest said, there's your Charlie horse. So that's how, supposedly, we got the expression, a Charlie horse from Joe Quest of the 1871 Cleveland Forest City baseball team. Ezra Sutton was another guy. He played third base and shortstop. Sutton hit, hit 352, three home runs, 23 RBIs. Sutton uh, was a third baseman shortstop from Seneca Falls, New York. He died in Braintree, Massachusetts, home of uh, two U.S. presidents, John, Quincy Ad- John Adams and John Quincy Adams. And uh, he, he died in 1907 at age 57. His career average was 294, 25 home runs, 672 RBIs, 1,574 hits. So he had a fine career. He played for the Alert of Rochester, the Cleveland Forest Cities, the Philadelphia Athletics, the Boston Red Caps, and Boston Bean Eaters between 1869 and 1888. With the Boston Bean Eaters in 1877 and 1878, he he was on the two pennant-winning teams. Ezra Sutton hit the first home run in professional baseball history on uh, May 8, 1871, for the Forest City, Cleveland Forest Cities against the Chicago White Stockings. He died in a private hospital in Braintree, Massachusetts. Ezra Sutton. 
Now, the outfielders included Art Allison, who had a good year, hit 292, zero home runs, 19 RBIs. Allison from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He died in Washington, D.C. in 1916 at age 67. His career average was 254 with 188 hits, eight triples. The teams he played for included the Geary of Philadelphia, the Cleveland Forest Cities, the Elizabeth, New Jersey Resolutes, the Washington Nationals, Hartford Dark Blues, and Louisville, Kentucky Grays. And also, the, his, his, actually, his, his real name, was his full name was Arthur Algernon. They called him Art Allison. Okay. Uh, Joe Batten was another outfielder. He had .0000 home runs, zero RBIs in one game. He had three at-bats. So he just played the one game. Batten's from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He died in Akron, Ohio, 1937 at age 84. Batten's career average was 225, three home runs, 143 RBIs. He was a second baseman, third baseman manager for the Cleveland Forest Cities, Philadelphia Athletics, St. Louis Brown Stockings, the Pittsburgh Alleghenies, Chicago Browns, Pittsburgh Stogies, Baltimore Monumentals, and Syracuse Stars in a 19-year career from 1871 to 1890. He also managed the Pittsburgh Alleghenies, the Chicago Browns, the Pittsburgh, and the Pittsburgh Stogies. In the 1936 Hall of Fame ballot, he received one vote, uh, and he's buried in the Glendale Cemetery in Akron, Ohio. Joe Batten. George Ewell hit .0000 home runs, zero RBIs, one game, three at-bats. Ewell's from... Ewell was a right fielder from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Died in Philadelphia in 1910 at age 59. And he's buried at the Mount Moriah Cemetery in Philadelphia. Okay, Elmer White hit 257, zero home runs, nine RBIs in 15 games. White's from, White was an outfielder catcher from Cato, New York. And he died in Seo, New York in 1872 at age 22. His career average was 257, 18 hits, 70 at-bats. Played for the... Cleveland Forest Cities from 1870 to 1871, and that was the extent of his career. He was also he was a right fielder and a backup catcher. And in, on June 22, 1871, he broke his arm running into the outfield fence. Yeah, he's the first recorded pro baseball to die. He died of tuberculosis shortly before the 1872 season. So that's that's a real it was a real tragedy. So the 1871 Cleveland Forest City baseball uh, team. And uh, God bless all the, the players who played, played for the team. And God bless everyone else associated with the Cle- 1871 Cleveland Forest City baseball team, including the fans and especially the Union soldiers from the Civil War. Now, those fellows, you know, had been through so much in the war and uh, sacrificed so much and suffered and, and lost so many friends. And many of them who made it home lost an arm and a leg. Uh, but they had helped uh, keep the United States one country, and they'd helped end African-American slavery, and they developed a great love of baseball during the Civil War, uh, and during their travels from place to place. And they brought that love of baseball home. And by 1869, they got to see uh, baseball, the game that they made America's national pastime. They, they got to see it become the, the national sport and and. and, and and enjoyed watching professional games, including the 1869 or 1871 Cleveland Forest City team. So that was really something. And uh, uh, so, and uh, hopefully in the uh, in the South, the Confederate veterans, those guys, 
hopefully as the years passed, they were coming to the realization that it was good that they lost the war because the United States remained one country and African-American slavery came to an end. In 1869, 1871, Ulysses S. Grant was U.S. president and he was you know, the, the terrible enemy, enemy of the South in the war. Uh, but uh, by this time, you know, the war was over and he became the best friend for the South. He had tremendous respect for the Confederate soldiers and officers and he wanted to heal the wounds of the war. And I don't think he'd be happy today about the removal of Confederate statues, which I believe are not symbols of, of white supremacy, but simple, simply reminders of respect for the suffering and what the fellows went through in, in the South, the Confederate soldiers who deserve respect for what they went through. And these are the ancestors of, of Southerners today. So God bless all of them. Thank you so much for watching. Captains of the Cuyahoga, lovers of Lake Erie, Terminal Tower Power, Tribe, Tribe Browns and Cavs Rule, Cleveland City of Champions. God bless you, take care, and I'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Peter J. Ray, welcome. Today's topic is the 1879 Cleveland Blues NL baseball season. So after a seven year absence, Cleveland had professional baseball again. Cleveland Blues, who were also called the uh, Cleveland Forest Cities, but the Blues was the more popular name because they, well, they had, and it was based on, the, they wore blue socks and the lettering on their jerseys was in blue. So the, uh, the Cleveland Blues uh, finished in sixth place in an eight-team league uh, in 1879. Their record was 27-55, and 55, 31 games behind the Providence Grays, who were the first-place team. And uh, they were playing, the, the Cleveland Blues were playing in the National League. So the National League had, had been established in 1876 today, and, and it's still around. Today we have the, uh, the two leagues, the National League and the American League. And, the, um, and they call the National League the Senior Circuit because it started, it's the older, older, the older league, started in 1876, and uh, American League started in 1901. So the... Um, the, the, the 1879 Cleveland Blues were playing at a new uh, ball field, Kennard, Kennard Street Park, and it was located at, uh, by Sibley Street, which is currently Carnegie Avenue, Cedar Avenue, Cedar Avenue, Kennard Street, which is currently East 46th Street in Cleveland, and East 55th Street. So that, those, were, those were the boundaries of the, of the ball field. And it was also known as National League Park, Kennard Street Park. So it was, it was a better, more substantial field. And the team was organized by uh, businessman William Hollinger. Uh, and the, the ballpark was uh, moving east as time was passing. It, you know, new, new, new field. The, uh, so the National League, uh, again, the Providence Grays finished in first place from Providence, Rhode Island, 59 and 25. So they were the champions, baseball champions of 1879. Providence Grays. Uh, second place team was the Boston Red Caps, who were 54 and 30. Third place, the Buffalo Bisons, 46 and 32. Fourth place, the Chicago White Stockings, 46 and 33. Fifth place, the Cincinnati Reds, who were 43 and 37. And sixth place, the Cleveland Blues, who were 27 and 55. Tough year. Seventh place, the Syracuse New York Stars, 22 and 48. And in eighth and last place, the Troy New York Trojans, 
who were 19 and 56. So for the for the Cleveland Blues in 1879, the uh, regular lineup we had Doc Kennedy as our catcher, who hit uh, 290, one home run, 18 RBIs in 82 games. Uh, Kennedy was from Brooklyn, New York. He died in Grove, New York, in 1920 at age 66. His career average was 260, with a played in 160 games. He had 53 RBIs. He played for the Cleveland Blues and the Buffalo Bisons in his career between 1879 and 1883. And uh, unfortunately, early in the year, he had broke two fingers. So that made things tough. Again, the, uh, the catchers still weren't wearing gloves or a catcher's mask. Our first baseman was Bill Phillips, who batted 271, zero home runs, 29 RBIs, and 15 doubles. Phillips was from St. John, New Brunswick, Canada. He was, our be- he was the best hitter on the team. He died in Chicago, Illinois in 1900 at age 43, fairly young. His career average was 266, one home run, 130 RBIs, uh, 130 hits, and 562 runs. He, I'm sorry, 1,130 hits, so that was he had a good career. 562 runs. He played for the Cleveland Blues, the Brooklyn Grays, and the Kansas City Cowboys. Between 1879 and 1888. Between 1880 and 1882, Bill Phillips led the National League in double plays. In 1881, he led the National League in games played. In 1885 and 1887, he led led the American Association in putouts. And in 1886, he led the American Association in games played. They called him Silver Bill. He's the first Canadian to play Major League Baseball. He's in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. He never married. He died of syphilitic locom- locomotor ataxia and is interred at the Graceland Cemetery in Chicago. Okay, Bill Phillips. Jack Glasscock was our second baseman. Uh, he hit 209, zero home runs, 29 RBIs, and nine doubles. Glasscock was a shortstop, like I said, uh, well, primarily a shortstop in his career, but in 79 he was our second baseman. Uh, Glasscock's from Wheeling, West Virginia. He died in Wheeling in 1947 at age 89. For his career, he had 290 with 2,041 hits. Tremendous career. Wow. Scored 1,163 runs. He had 372 stolen bases. He played for the Cleveland Blues, the Cincinnati Outlaws, the St. Louis Maroons, the Indianapolis Hoosiers, the New York Giants, St. Louis Browns, Louisville, Kentucky Colonels, and Washington Senators between 1879 to 1895. So this was his rookie year and a fine 16-year career. He was a National League batting champion in 1890 at 336. He was considered the best shortstop in the 1880s, the barehanded era. He led the National League in fielding percentage seven times and led the, the league in assists six times. He led the National League in double plays four times and in putouts twice. He dropped out of school in fourth grade to pursue uh, carpentry. They called him Pebbly Jack because in the infield he was always looking for small stones, which he would put in his pocket to avoid bad hop ground balls. He's the first guy from West Virginia to play Major League Baseball. In 1889, he, he, hit, a, he hit for the cycle, single, double, triple, and home run. After retiring as a player, he worked as a carpenter for the rest of his working life. Jack Glasscock, a tremendous uh, player. Tom Carey was our shortstop in 1879. He hit 239, zero home runs, 32 RBIs, and 14 doubles. 
Kerry was a shortstop uh, second baseman from Brooklyn, New York. He died in San Francisco, California in 1906 at age 60. His career average was 270, 405 runs, 270 RBIs. He played for the Baltimore Marylands, the Fort Wayne, Indiana Kekiangas, the New York Mutuals, and the Baltimore Baltimore Canaries, the Hartford Dark Blues, Providence Grays, and the Cleveland Blues from 1870 to 1879. So this was the end of his career, playing career. He was a player manager for the Baltimore Canaries and the New York Mutuals. In 1882, he worked as an umpire. He's buried in the San Francisco National Cemetery, Tom Carey. Fred Warner was our third baseman. He hit 244, zero home runs, 22 RBIs, 11 doubles, and four triples. Warner uh, was a third baseman from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He died in Philadelphia in 1886 at age 31. Oh, very tragic. Young, young, died young. His career average was 234, one home run, 47 RBIs. He played for the Philadelphia Centennials, the Philadelphia Athletics, the Indianapolis Blues, the Cleveland Blues, and the Brooklyn Atlantics. And he's buried in the Woodland Cemetery in Philadelphia. Fred Warner. George Streif was an outfielder. Again, they didn't keep track of where they played, uh, left field, center, or right. He hit uh, 174, zero home runs, 15 RBIs, and seven doubles. Uh, Streif uh, was uh, actually mostly a second baseman during his career, and he played all he, he played all positions except pitcher and catcher. Uh, he's from Cincinnati, Ohio. He died in Cleveland, Ohio, here in Cleveland in 1946 at age 89. His career average was 207, five home runs. He scored 145 runs. He played for the Cleveland Blues, Pittsburgh Alleghenies, St. Louis Browns, Kansas City Cowboys, Chicago Browns, Pittsburgh Stogies, and back with the Cleveland Blues again and the Philadelphia Athletics. So this was his rookie year. He played from 1879 to 1885. In 1882, he hit the first Pittsburgh Pirate home run. In 1885, he recorded the most triples in one game. He hit four. And uh, in 1885, he was the first player to have five extra hits in one game. So that's really something. George Streif, he had a fine career. Bill Riley was another outfielder. He hit 143, zero home runs, nine RBIs, uh, two doubles. Riley was from Cincinnati, Ohio. He died in Cincinnati in 1887 at age 31 or 32. His career average was 144 in 51 games, 10 RBIs. He played for the Keokuk Westerns and the Cleveland Blues from 1875 to 1879. They called him Pigtail Billy, Bill Riley. Charlie Eden was the other regular outfielder. He hit 272, three home runs, 34 RBIs, 31 doubles, and seven triples. Eden was uh, from Lexington, Kentucky. Died in Cincinnati, Ohio, 1920 at age 65. Played for the Chicago White Stockings, the Cleveland Blues, the Pittsburgh Alleghenies between 1877 and 1885. In 1879, he led the league with 31 doubles, Charlie Eden. Now, the bench players included Barney Gilligan, who hit 171, zero home runs, 11 RBIs, six doubles and in 52 games. Gilligan was primarily a catcher from Cambridge, Massachusetts. He died in Lynn, Massachusetts in 1934 at age 78. His career average was 207. He scored 217 runs, 167 RBIs. He played for the Cleveland Blues, Providence Grays, Washington Nationals, and Detroit Wolverines between 1879 and 1888. So this was 
the rookie year for Barney Gilligan. He was five foot six, short guy, 130 pounds. And uh, he was the sixth of seven children. His parents were immigrants from Northern Ireland. After his first game with the Blues, the Cleveland Leader newspaper wrote this, quote, Gilligan caught exceedingly well, taking some fine pickups. In 1887, uh, Gilligan was fined for binge drinking and missing a game. After his MLB career, he had, he had three years in the minors. His 207 average ties, is, uh, ties for the seventh lowest among batters with at least 1,000 at-bats. After retiring as a player, he worked as a garbage collector. He died of, of eselepsis. Died, he died of erysipelas. He's buried in Pine Grove Cemetery in Lynn, Massachusetts. After his first game in Cleveland, the, the, again, the, the Cleveland leader wrote, quote, the wiry, the wiry, agile little Gilligan caught the swift shoots of the big McCormick with an ease that made him a hero with the fans right from the start. Barney Gilligan. Uh, before, before the game, the other players said, he's a catcher? Humph, he doesn't look big enough. Jack Allen was another bench player. Allen hit 117, zero home runs, four RBIs, one double, one triple in 16 games. Allen was a third baseman from Woodstock, Illinois. He died in Girard, Pennsylvania in 1915 at age 59. His career, career average was 148, zero home runs, seven RBIs, and 108 at-bats. He played for the Syracuse Stars and Cleveland Blues in 1879. So that was, he just had his one-year career. He played college baseball at Western Reserve University here in Cleveland, and he got his dental degree from the University of Pennsylvania, so he worked as a dentist for his most of his working career. He just had one year of MLB baseball. Sonny Hoffman had an average of .0000 hits. He played two games and batted six times. Hoffman was a catcher outfielder, born in Cleveland, Ohio in 1853. The, de- the, death, the details of his death are unknown. Played for the Cleveland Blues in 1879, so this was the extent of his career. He liked horse racing and made a lot of big bets. After his last baseball game, he disappeared, and nobody knows what happened to him. He was never heard from again. So that was uh, Sonny Hoffman. You wonder if somebody somebody knocked him off for not paying his gambling debts. It's a mystery. Len Stockwell hit .0002 games, six at-bats, zero hits. Stockwell was from an outfielder from Cordova, Illinois. Died in Niles, California, 1905 at age 45. His career average was 136, zero home runs, zero RBIs, and 22 at bats. Played for the Cleveland Blues, the Louisville, Kentucky Eclipse, and the Cleveland Spiders between 1879 and 1890. Len Stockwell. John Kelly uh, hit 250, uh, one home run, four at bats. Well. And he, he, had, he just had the one hit. Kelly was a catcher from Patterson, New Jersey. He died in Patterson in 1908 at age 49. His career average was 226, one home run, 106 hits. Played for the Cleveland Blues, the Baltimore Orioles, the Philadelphia Quakers, Cincinnati Outlaw Reds, and the Washington Nationals between 1879 and 1884. He, he was an umpire for three games in 1884. He's buried in the Holy Sepulchre Cemetery in Totowa, New Jersey, John Kelly. Fred Gunkel had an average of .000. He played in one game, three at-bats, and he scored a run. Gunkel was a catcher-outfielder from Reading, Pennsylvania. He died in Long Beach, California in 1936 at age 79. 
Played for the Cleveland Blues in 1879, so this was a, he had a brief career. Just one game. A May 17th start, he was a catcher. Made three errors, seven pass balls, and three innings. And he was switched to the outfield for the rest of the game. Fred Gunkel. Now our, our primary pitcher was uh, Jim McCormick. As a hitter, he hit 220. He had 10 doubles, 2 triples, and 20 RBIs. His average, as his record as a pitcher, he won 20 games, lost 40, started 60 games, had 59 complete games, and three shutouts. An ERA, a fine ERA of 2.42, and he pitched 546 innings. Wow! So he wasn't getting much uh, offensive support, but just imagine all those uh, games pitched. Uh, Jim McCormick. McCormick was a was a pitcher manager from Glasgow, Scotland. He died in Patterson, New Jersey, in 1918 at age 61. His career career record is 265 wins, 214 losses, an ERA of 2.43, 1,704 strikeouts. McCormick played for the Indianapolis Blues, the Cleveland Blues, the Cincinnati Outlaw Reds, the Providence Grays, the Chicago White Stockings, and the Pittsburgh Alleghenies between 1878 and 1887. He was the manager for the Cleveland Blues, so he was the player manager in 1879 and also 1880 and 1882. He led the National League in wins in 1880 and 1882, and also in, uh, he led the National League in the ERA in 1883. He's the first Scottish player to play Major League Baseball. He was friends with Mike King Kelly and Cap Anson, two of the major stars of that era. He played for the 1885 Chicago team that won the pennant, and he received a silver ball as a gift. He's interned at the Laurel Grove Memorial Park in Totowa, New Jersey. Jim McCormick. And the other pitcher, there were only two pitcher was, pitchers, was Bobby Mitchell. As a hitter, he had 147, two doubles, two triples, six RBIs. His record as a pitcher was 7-15 with an ERA of 3.28, 22 starts, and 20 complete games. Mitchell was from Cincinnati, Ohio. He died in Springfield, Ohio in 1933 at age 77. His record as a pitcher was 20 and 23 for his career with 184 strikeouts, an ERA of 3.18. Played for the Cincinnati Reds, the Cleveland Blues, the St. Louis Brown Stockings uh, between 1877 and 1882. His career for his career, he had 44 starts and 40 complete games. Now I have a quote here from Walt Whitman that I thought was appropriate, the great uh, 19th century uh, uh, philosopher philosopher and poet in, here in the United States, and he said this, quote, I see great things in baseball. It's our game, the American game. It will take our people out of doors, fill them with oxygen, give them a larger stoicism, tend to relieve us a nervous dyspeptic set, repair these losses, be a blessing to us. Now, I started reading yesterday a book called Of Tribes and Tribulations, The Early Decades of the Cleveland Indians by James E. Odenkirk, 2015. And there's a reference to the 1869 Cleveland Forest City baseball team. So we're going to back up a little bit. Uh, in July of 1869, uh, Native Ohio and President Ul- Ulysses S. Grant invited the Cleveland Forest City baseball team to the White House. And while they were visiting, he said this, quote, Boys, said the chief executive, I have never seen a game. I haven't had time, but I know a great deal about the game. Let me prove it to you. I'll call the positions and, and then let 
Each man stepped forward as his position is named. Catcher. And Jim White stood out. Pitcher. Uh, Pratt answered. First base. The president called eight men into line. Wait a minute, he said. There are nine men on the team. Hold on. There's the, sh- there's the shortstop. Turning to W.R. Rose, five feet six inches tall and acting as cashier for the team, he put his arm around the young man's shoulders and exclaimed, This must be the shortstop. So, uh... President Grant called the 1869 Cleveland Forest Cities, quote, the most gentlemanly club in the country. He walked them, after their visit, he walked them to the door, puffing on his black cigar. So that was a nice, a real nice uh, uh, story from this book by James E. Odenkirk. So the 1879 Cleveland Blues, it was wonderful having a professional team back in Cleveland, professional baseball team after a seven-year absence. God bless all the fellows who played for the Cleveland Blues in 1879, and God bless everyone else associated with the team, uh, including the fans, especially the Civil War veterans who had made baseball America's favorite pastime. Captains of the Cuyahoga, lovers of Lake Erie, terminal tower power, Fans of the Free Stamp statue. It's been 70 years since 1948. This is our year. Uh, Tribe Browns and Cavs rule Cleveland City of Champions. Thank you so much for watching. God bless you. Take care, and I'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Peter J. Ray. Welcome. Today's topic is the 1872 Cleveland Forest City N.A. baseball season. So the... uh, the four cities had a had a tough year in 1872. They, their record was six and 16. See, they weren't playing a lot of games back then. A lot of uh, people only had one day off, and uh, well, Sundays off. They're generally playing on Sundays. Although eventually, the Cleveland uh, city of Cleveland banned Sunday baseball, which was problematic for the professional teams. At any, at any rate, the four cities in 1872 were six and 16. They finished in seventh place out of 11 teams. Uh, 20, 20 and a half games behind the first place Boston Red Stockings. And again, they were playing in the um, National Association of Professional Baseball Players, also known as the National Association, or the NA for short. So, the standings for, the, uh, for, the, for that year. First place, Boston Red Stockings finished in first with a record of 39 and 8. So that meant they were the champions for 18 for baseball in 1872, and you know there were no playoffs. So if you finished in first, you were the champion. And uh, or as they, as they like to say in baseball, they won the pennant. Second place was the Baltimore Canaries, who were 35 and 19. Third place, the New York Mutuals, 34 and 20. Fourth place, the Philadelphia Athletics, 30 and 14. Fifth place, the Troy Haymakers. Uh, from Troy, Troy, New York, there were 15 and 10. Sixth place, the Brooklyn Atlantics, 9 and 28. Uh, seventh place, the Cleveland Forest City, 6 and 16. Eighth place, the Middletown Mansfields, must be Mansfield, Ohio, they were 5 and 9. Ninth place, the Brooklyn Eckfords, 3 and 26. Tenth place, the Washington Olympics, who were 2 and 7. And in last place, 11th and last place, the Washington Nationals who did not win a game, were 0-11. So for the uh, Cleveland Forest City team, uh, again, our catcher was Deacon White, who was a tremendous player. Uh, he, hit th- he, was, he hit 339, 
Zero home runs, 22 RBIs, and he was also he was the player manager, and uh, so the uh, player manager the last for the last for the well for the last two games, and he was his record was 0 and 2. So he is a manager at the very end of the year. At first base, we had a new player, Joe Simmons, hit 256, zero home runs, nine RBIs. Joe Simmons was an outfielder, first baseman. He was from New York City. Died in Jersey City, New Jersey in 1901 at age 56. His career average was 221, 58, 58 games, 45 runs scored. He played for the Rockford Forest Cities. That's Rockford, Illinois. Chicago White Stockings, Cleveland Forest Cities, the Keokuk Westerns from 1870 to 1875. He's also a manager of the Keokuk Westerns and the Wilmington Quick Steps. Uh, he's buried in Bayview, New York Bay Cemetery in Jersey City. His birth name is Joseph C. Chabriel, but they I mean, came to be known as Joe Simmons. Charlie Sweezy was our new second baseman. Sweezy hit 281, zero home runs, six RBIs. Sweezy was a second baseman from New York, New Jersey. Died in, died in New York, Newark. In 1908, at age 60, his career average was 194, zero home runs, 39 RBIs. The teams he played for included the Irvington of Irvington, New Jersey, Buckeye of Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Red Stockings, Washington Olympics, Cleveland Forest Cities, the Boston Red Stockings, Baltimore Canaries, Brooklyn Atlantics, St. Louis Red Stockings, Cincinnati Reds, and the Providence Grays between 1866 and 1878. He's also the manager for the St. Louis Red Stockings in 1869. And uh, since, uh, anyways, and the, since, the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Red Stockings were the first fully professional baseball team. Charlie Sweezy was paid $800 during the 1869 season. He was a good fielder, light hitter. Okay, Jim Holdsworth was our new shortstop. Holdsworth batted 300, zero home runs, 11 RBIs and three stolen bases. Holdsworth was from New York, New York. He died in New York City in 1918 at age 67. Shortstop, he hit 291 for his career, 432 hits, 221 runs, and 319 games. He played for the Union of Morrisania, the Cleveland Forest Cities, the Brooklyn Eckforts, the New York Mutuals, Philadelphia White Stockings, Hartford Dark Blues, Troy Trojans, and Indianapolis Hoosiers from 1870 to 1884. They called him Long Jim. He's interred, interred at the Woodland Cemetery in Bronx, New York. Jim Holdsworth. Ezra Sutton was back at third base, had a, had a pretty good year, hit 280, zero home runs, 10 RBIs. We had a new uh, outfielder, Scott Hastings, hit 391. <laughs> Uh, zero home runs, 16 RBIs, five stolen bases. He was the manager for most of the year, as well as an outfielder, and they didn't keep track of whether the guys played left field, center field, or right field. His record as manager was 6-14 and 14 when he was replaced near the end of the year. Hastings was a catcher-manager-outfielder from Hillsboro, Ohio. He died in Sawtell, California in 1907 at age 60. His career average was 279, zero home runs, 138 RBIs. He played for the Rockford Forest Cities, the Cleveland Forest Cities, Baltimore Canaries, Hartford, Connecticut Dark Blues, the Chicago White Stockings, Louisville, Kentucky Grays, the Cincinnati Reds between 1869 to 1877. 
He also managed the Rockford Forest Cities and the Cleveland Forest Cities in 1872. Yeah, he was... Uh, uh, so anyway, so that's Scott Hastings. Very good. Uh, Art Allison was back as a, as a regular outfielder. Hit 264, zero home runs, and eight RBIs. Charlie Pabor was another outfielder uh, and pitcher. As uh, His average was 207. Zero home runs, seven RBIs, and as a pitcher, Charlie Pabor was 1-1 one one with an ERA of 4.00, two games, two starts, two complete games. Jim Carlton was at first base, uh, well, was a first baseman, and uh, Carlton hit 316, zero home runs, and four RBIs in seven games. Martin Mullen was another uh, guy who played outfield, he only played in one game, did not get a hit. Mullen was uh, from Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. Died in Cleveland in 1915 at age 63. The one game he played in was on August 17, 1872. He was hitless in four at-bats, scored a run, and he played right field. He played because of an accident. Ryan Wolters, the regular outfielder, swallowed a chaw of tobacco and could not play. Mullen, a local amateur, was called into action and made his pro debut just uh, just that one game in the majors. Martin Mullen. Uh, Ryan Walters was a uh, pitcher. He had 232, zero home runs, 11 RBIs. And as uh, his pitching record, he was 3-6 uh, and six with an ERA of 6.09, 12 games, 8 starts, 5 complete games. Walters is fr- was from... Neuwischens, Netherlands, in Europe. He died in Newark, New Jersey in 1917 at age 74. Pitcher outfielder with a career record of 19-23, and 23, <coughs> an ERA of 3.90. He, he hit 318 at, for his career as a batter. Uh, Walters played for the uh, Irvington of Irvington, New Jersey, the New York Mutuals, the Cleveland Forest Cities, the Elizabeth, New Jersey Resolutes from 1866 to 1873. In 1871, he was the RBI champion. He's the first Dutch pro baseball player, primarily a pitcher, also played outfield, Ryan Walters. Al Pratt was another pitcher, was the primary pitcher. As a hitter, he had 277, zero home runs, 12 RBIs, and as a pitcher, his record was 2-9 with an ERA of 5.79, 15 games, 12 starts, and 8 complete games. So the uh, that's the story of the 1872 Cleveland and Forest City baseball team. The team folded after the year. The, uh, didn't, they didn't have a very good record, and the attendance was down. So it was a business, and they couldn't. And so the team, they went out of business. And there was no professional baseball in Cleveland for the next seven years until 1879. Uh, and in the meantime, the, uh, there was uh, sandlot baseball and amateur baseball and people playing, playing for fun, not getting paid. So anyway, God bless the fellows, the guys who played for the Cleveland, Cle- the Cleveland Forest City Cities in 1872. And God bless everyone else associated with the team, including the fans, especially the Civil War veterans who had popularized the game, who had learned the game during the Civil War from various states and... Uh, and brought it home and, it, and, and got to see it become professional that, and become our, na- our nation's national pastime. Captains of the Cuyahoga, lovers of Lake Erie, Terminal Tower Power, fans of the Free Stamp Statue, 
Tribe Browns and Cavs rule. Cleveland City of Champions. Cleveland is the best location in the nation on the north coast of America. New York is the Big Apple. Cleveland is a plum. Thank you so much for watching. God bless you. Take care, and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You might consider checking out past episodes, our podcast channel, and our website, Adventures in History with Peter J. Ray at peterjray.com. If you like what you're hearing, you might consider sharing it with friends. It helps a lot. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Take care, and I'll see you next time.